Welcome to Murder by Nature, where we discuss true crime, mystery disappearances, and unsolved cases. I'm Jasmine Hernandez, your host. Today we'll be talking about the murder of Haley Anderson. I'm going to jump into the references that made this episode possible, Wikipedia, CBS, 48 Hour. On March 8, 2018, Haley was enjoying a night out drinking with friends and decided to stay the night with a fellow student at their off-campus housing. When Haley did not return home, her roommates became concerned. On March 9th, they tracked her phone via Find My Friends to a fellow student's apartment, broke in through a window, and found her body with severe bruising on her neck and arms. They called 911 immediately. The police were alerted to the same exact apartment just hours earlier when a family member was concerned with the message that they received, but they didn't make contact with anyone and left. Haley Anderson was from Westboro, New York, the daughter of Karen and Gordon Anderson, and an older sister to Madeline Anderson. In March of 2018, she was 22 years old and a fifth-year senior. While attending Brigham University, she worked at Jasmine's, an on-campus coffee shop, for over three years. Haley was a straight-A student and was set to graduate in May 2018 and already had a job lined up on Long Island Emergency Room. She was coming back home to her family. Friends described Haley as a hardworking, friendly, and compassionate person with a love of music. Her mother, Karen Anderson, describes Haley as a free spirit, a millennial hippie. She was just a hippie, the way that she dressed, her hair, her personality, and the way that she was with her friends. She trusted everyone and talked to everyone. Throughout college, Haley had an on-again, off-again boyfriend named Kevin Acampo. He was also a student at Birmingham University. As Haley was experiencing the college lifestyle, she enjoyed her relationship, but she also didn't want to be committed to anyone. She wanted to be free and have experiences. Kevin stated that he felt like they would have ended up together in the long run, and he loved her dearly. He told CBS that Haley always wanted to move to California, get a hippie van, be on the road, and kind of like freelance as a working nurse. When Binghamton University student Haley Anderson first disappeared from her off-campus apartment, her close friend and roommate, Josie, says that she wasn't alarmed. When she didn't hear from her, she didn't think, oh, something terrible happened. It wasn't until the next day that she became extremely concerned especially when another roommate used the Find My Friends app to track Haley's phone to an apartment of a fellow nursing student, Orlando. She went to Orlando's apartment and searched for her friend. When no one answered the door, she decided she was going to climb through the window. Haley and Orlando first met in class, but didn't forge a friendship until Haley's fourth year at the school. When they crossed paths again, neither than her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Kevin, Kevin stated that it was just a coincidence that they met at his apartment. You know, Haley recognized him and she introduced Kevin to Orlando. Orlando, Haley, and Kevin grew closer. Kevin even invited him into his new friend group and had him join his fraternity. And for a while, it was great until Kevin and Haley took one of their breaks. During this break, Orlando crossed a line in his friendship with Haley. Orlando and Haley had now an on-again, off-again relationship, and this lasted for up to a year. Orlando's roommate, Jesse, said that sometimes they would be bickering and sometimes they weren't. Other times, they would laugh hysterical. You could hear it from my room when she would stay over. And other times, they kept their distance and wouldn't see each other for a bit. 
But as everyone told us, Haley never wanted to turn her back on Orlando, especially after his fraternity brothers pushed him out for sleeping with her because she was Kevin's girlfriend. Friends and family started to notice that Orlando was becoming very possessive over Haley, even when they weren't together. Haley's roommate said that Orlando would come over uninvited and they would find him outside on their porch smoking cigarettes or driving by late at night. Her friends thought that he did this to make sure that no one else was staying the night at her house. There was no guys there, even though they weren't together. She reportedly wanted to end her romantic involvement with him, but she wanted to stay friends with Orlando. On September 15, 2017, Anderson attended a party at Orlando's residence where he confronted her about her new relationship with a mutual friend. Orlando was suspected of slashing Haley's car tires on September 16, 2017, causing about $600 in damage. According to the police report, at the party there was a confrontation. Orlando shouted at Haley for dating Kevin again, then offered her alcohol in attempts to smooth things over. Haley declined to press charges over the tire slashing incident. She didn't see the huge red flags that were shining in her eyes. Haley wanted to trust Orlando and see the good in people. Haley knew that if she pressed charges, it would count as a felony and ultimately ruin his chances of ever becoming a nurse in the United States. On March 8, 2018, Haley Anderson had been drinking out with friends and decided to call Orlando to stay the night with him. During the evening, Orlando and Haley were drinking heavily and enjoying their night together. And this is when the night took a turn for the worst. While Haley was peacefully sleeping next to Orlando, he attacked her. Orlando murdered Haley by manual strangulation at his Oak Street apartment on the west side of Bringington. She was asphyxiated from manual neck compressions and strangulation due to the necklace that she was wearing. With Haley's family being thousands of miles away, they didn't even know that their daughter was missing. Haley's mom stated that Haley was very independent and they only spoke on Sundays for a catch-up. So for Karen Anderson, it was weird to see two black sedans sitting outside her home. The men walked up to Karen's door to tell her some devastating news. As the officers entered Karen's home, they sat next to her and they explained that her daughter Haley had been found strangled to death in Orlando's bed. Surveillance footage showed Haley and Anderson entering his apartment in the early morning of March 8th. This would be the last time that anyone would see Haley Anderson alive. Nearly seven hours after arriving with Haley, Orlando is seen clearing the driveway of garbage and leaving alone. Using a receipt they found in his apartment, police tracked his movements to a local pharmacy where he purchased Sequil and melatonin, two sleeping aids. Orlando then returned to his apartment where security cameras didn't pick him up again for nearly seven hours. But when they did, he didn't go very far. Police believe that Orlando went down to the basement to get hooks and attempts to kill himself by hanging with a tie after killing Haley. Police found blood on the floor where they believe Orlando fell while he was attempting to hang himself. A note was left at the crime scene apologizing to his family for what he did. He stated that he couldn't believe that he was capable of these actions. Orlando's sister called 911 after receiving a concerning text from him the morning of March 9th. The text stated that he was going to be with their father soon. Police went to Orlando's home to perform a welfare check, but they didn't make contact with anyone and left. Surveillance picks up Orlando leaving his apartment one last time with his suitcase and head bandaged up where he drove three hours to JFK International Airport and boarded a flight to Nicaragua, fleeting the country. Haley's body was found by police on Friday, March 9th at 12.53 p.m. after they conducted a welfare check at Orlando's apartment.
Her death was declared a homicide on Saturday, March 10th, after an autopsy was conducted at the hospital in Bringington. Police released a statement that day. The victim and male student had a previous domestic-slash-romantic relationship. The investigation determined that the person of interest has left the United States by an international air travel flight prior to the discovery of Haley's deceased body. When police learned that Orlando was in Nicaragua before they could arrest him, the first thing that crossed their mind was, no way, he just got away with murder. And it was now up to the Nicaragua authorities to capture a fugitive with dual citizenship. Not knowing the laws or relationships of the United States and the Nicaraguan authorities, they were challenged with this case. As Orlando landed in Nicaragua, his mother picked him up at the international airport and drove him about three hours north to their hometown. For several days, Orlando allegedly hid out in a small town in a house that he grew up in, across the street from a church that his family once attended. Four days after his arrival, Orlando's mother drove him an hour south to a much larger city to get medical attention. Remember, Orlando tried to kill himself, and he had a gash in his head when he left. According to the police report, Orlando was brought to the hospital with self-inflicting wounds, implying that he tried to take his own life. It is possible that someone else recognized him as a fugitive from the story that has been on the news for days. 48 Hour was told that the hospital is where the police finally found and arrested Orlando. The next day, the police held a press conference informing the world that Orlando was in custody. As Haley's family was struggling to come to terms with their new reality and laying their beautiful daughter to rest, the fight to extradite Orlando to the U.S. was in high gear. Orlando had dual citizenship in the United States and Nicaragua, and our existing treaty does not require either country to extradite one of its own. This effort would stretch on for a year and a half until September 2019 when the Brigginton Police Department would receive a call that would change this case forever. The police force was notified that they will not be extraditing Orlando to the United States, but will try him in Nicaragua. This is a huge pitfall for the prosecutors in this case. In the United States, a grand jury had charged Orlando with murder in the second degree. In Nicaragua, he would be charged with committing a crime that doesn't even exist here, femicide. It is defined that the murder of a woman whom the murderer had a relationship with. So since Haley and Orlando were intimate with each other, this would be the crime that he would be charged with. In the United States, the defendant is required to enter a plea for the court, but in Nicaragua, Orlando was not required to enter a plea. This started to make Haley's family and the Brigginton police really nervous about how this trial would unfold. It wasn't until eight days before the trial that the prosecutor from Nicaragua would reach out and ask Corwell and his team to assist in the Nicaraguan prosecution team. The biggest issue with the setup was how are they going to communicate? The Nicaraguan authorities agreed that they can use teleconferencing, and the entire trial would be conducted through teleconferencing. Witnesses would testify from Brooming County DA's office to a courtroom thousands of miles away where a judge, not a jury, would decide Orlando's fate. On October 1, 2019, the trial began with Haley's mother Karen as the prosecution's first witness. As the team asked Karen questions, she got her first glimpse at Orlando. Karen remembers being very angry with Orlando because he acted very arrogant, almost as if he was there and he was bored to be there. Everyone was in this position because of the actions that he made, and he made it seem like he wanted nothing to do with this. 
Numerous witnesses took the stand to testify in this case. They called Jesse, Kevin, and Josie. Each testified that Orlando and Haley had an on-again, off-again relationship, and he was possessive over her. Kevin testified about the tire slashing that he witnessed and stated that it couldn't have been anyone other than Orlando. Kevin stayed with Haley that night after leaving the party, and Orlando drove by and saw Kevin's car in the parking lot. And again, Orlando was very possessive over Haley. It wasn't until Carl Peterson, an investigator on the Birmingham Police Force, took the judge through all the evidence, including all the seeming damned surveillance village. Carl Peterson stated that he viewed the footage that was secured from 23 Oak Street. He stated that he saw at 4 o'clock a man and female walking through the apartment doors. Later on, what was clearly Orlando comes and goes from the doors of the same apartment. And then there was the handwritten note left behind in Orlando's apartment. In this note is written that he did something stupid and that he was sorry. He states that his motive was likely jealousy over her relationship with Kevin. The judge also heard from Dr. James, the pathologist who conducted Haley's autopsy and determined the case of death to be asphyxiation by neck compression. For the attorney, Steve Carwell, the evidence was overwhelming. He stated to the court that Orlando choked Haley to death and he took Haley, who he believed may have been sleeping, and choked the life out of her. Orlando left her there to rot. That is a sick, disturbed man who can take advantage of someone who he claimed to love and kill her because he couldn't have her. Orlando's defense attorney argued that due to the influence of alcohol, Orlando was temporarily insane at the time of Haley's murder. And in an effort to prove it, he called a psychiatrist as his first and only witness in this case, Dr. Ron Lopez Aguilar. He was appointed by the court to testify that Orlando told him he had no recollection of what happened, claiming that he woke up after a night of heavy drinking to find Haley dead. But the expert could not verify whether any of this was true, and also said that there was no way to tell whether Orlando's state of mind was impaired at the time of the murder. Instead, he can only say that there was nothing wrong with the defendant's current mental state. After both sides rested, the judge did something that would never happen in the United States. Before the verdict, she asked Haley's family to give one final word. Karen Anderson read her impact statement to the judge and the court. Haley was an intelligent, beautiful, friendly girl. She was an aspiring nurse who had her whole life in front of her. She was and still is my best friend. So thank you for listening and let me speak on behalf of my daughter. The prosecutors and Haley's family expected at least a day of deliberation from the judge to make a verdict, but she shocked the room by stating that she will return with her verdict after just a brief recess. After 90 minutes, the judge returned with a bold statement, denouncing violence against women and advocating for equal rights. She said Orlando disposed of Haley because he did not... She said that Orlando disposed of Haley because he did not want to accept the fact that she had control over herself. Then came the words that Haley's family had been waiting to hear. She found Orlando guilty. Karen was once again given the opportunity to address the court. This time she spoke directly to Orlando. She told him, I hope you get the highest amount of years behind bars because you deserve even more than that. It wasn't until two weeks later... Orlando was sentenced. In her decision, the judge said Orlando took it upon himself to punish Haley for rejecting him. The judge sentenced Orlando to a maximum of 30 years in prison.
But sadly, the morning of February 4, 2020, a heavily guarded Orlando was back in the courtroom again. Orlando wanted to appeal his conviction before a panel of three judges. The proceeding began with Orlando's trial attorney arguing that Orlando was highly intoxicated and temporarily insane at the time of the murder. He wanted a new psychiatrist to evaluate Orlando, but this time a forensic psychiatrist well-versed in temporary sanity defenses. Haley's friends and family found this defense very hard to believe. Remember, Orlando was a fifth-year nursing student. For someone who wanted to save lives, how would he be able to strangle the life out of someone, no matter how impaired he may have been? His skills should have kicked in. He should have seen the red flags that someone was dying and he needed to save them. His defense attorney argued that Orlando was wrongfully charged with femicide and sentenced to 30 years. In the United States, he was charged with second-degree murder and would have likely faced a lighter sentence with the possibility of parole. He insisted that the Nicaraguan courts are legally obligated to follow these guidelines. The judges immediately considered and rejected the request for a second psychiatric opinion. But on the question of modifying his sentence, they said they would need some time to deliberate. On March 10, 2020, nearly two years to the day that their daughter was murdered, Karen and Gordon Anderson were once again at the Broome County DA's office to hear the court's decision. The hearing took over an hour while officers read a 12-page decision from the judges, and the entire appeal was denied. Orlando's conviction and sentence would stand. His appeal was denied, and he would spend the next 30 years in a Nicaraguan's main penitentiary, where it's known for its overcrowding. Every day, Orlando would be fed a small meal of rice and beans, and if he wanted more food, his mother would have to deliver the food to the prison gates. Steve Conwell stated that for if any reason Orlando is ever freed or even tries to set foot in the American soil, Broome County would arrest him and put him on trial. There's no double jeopardy, so for any reason that he is arrested, the entire case can be tried here in the United States on behalf of the Anderson family. As Haley's family and friends continue to heal from their loss, they're determined to keep her memory alive. During the 48-hour interview that I watched, friends asked, what would you say to Haley's parents if you could? Jesse stated that even though Haley's time was cut short, she touched many people's lives that he's known and his and that they should be really proud of who Haley was as a person. Josie stated that one time they were sitting on her bed and Haley asked, what does depression feel like? And it was weird to hear that someone is just so pure, happy, and innocent and content that they have no idea what it feels like to be depressed. And that made her feel really good inside. Sydney stated that I want people to know she was kind, she was generous, and she was hardworking. But most of all, she was loved by almost everyone she came into contact with. When the 48-hour interviewer asked Haley's mom, Karen, how do you want Haley to be remembered? She said that she wants Haley to be remembered as a millennial hippie. She was quirky and happy, and you know, as sad as it is, she trusted everyone, and that's a really good quality to have. You should trust people. As we jump in to the end of this episode, these are my thoughts on the case. There was a lot of red flags on Orlando's end, but with Haley being the person that she was, she wanted to still see the good in people. And as good of as a quality as that is, you need to make sure that you're looking for those red flags when you're talking to people like this. There's too many cases that I've seen and read of women that want to trust the people that end up murdering them because they were friends or they're good people or they're sweet. But there are certain red flags that you can't push away. 
Haley's mom wishes that she would have put more of an emphasis on going to the police and pressing charges when her daughter's tires were slashed. That it's a huge red flag of emotional and mental abuse that someone is doing to a person. Kevin wishes that he would have made more of a stand and really showed and told Haley how dangerous Orlando was. Just because you see the good in someone at a point in time, if the red flags outweigh the good, you need to make that conscious decision to step away from that person because you never know what they're capable of. Most murders that happen like this come from some form of control. The other person wants to control you, and when they feel like they're losing control, that heat and passion overtakes them, and they can commit heinous acts. Haley was a bright, young individual who had so much life in front of her, and because she trusted everyone and wanted to see the good in anyone, that ultimately is what took her life. My thoughts and condolences go out to the Anderson family. I will say that even though... It's crazy how Orlando was able to flee to Nicaragua. I'm really happy that he did because he is now in a position that he's going to be in a tiny little cell having rice and beans for the rest of his life, and he won't ever be able to get out. Unlike being in the United States where they get meals and all this other stuff and extra activities, he won't have that. And he won't be able to get that lighter sentence of being able to get out on parole later on and only give about half of the sentence that he actually has. That is the silver lining I'm going to see in this case. I will post some audio of Haley's mother and friends talking about how she wants to be remembered and how they want Haley's family to know of their daughter in this time on our Instagram when I post this episode. us to the end of this episode. As always, thank you for listening to Murder by Nature. If you enjoyed our show, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any streaming platform that you're currently on. And be sure to come back next Saturday for a new episode. If you follow us on TikTok, you're going to see us following a case of baby Holly. We're posting updates as they come in and just checking in with the Texan authorities to see if there's any new revelations in the case. Please check into that TikTok streamline to hear the description of who they think might be related to the murder of Dina and Team Clausen. Holly is going to be reunited with her family here shortly, which is really exciting for an in-person visit. But again, follow us on TikTok to keep updated with that post. We will be doing a podcast episode on baby Holly in the next few weeks as more information and stuff comes to light and we're able to gather that. Until then, I am your host, Jasmine Hernandez. Don't forget to stay safe. Don't get murdered or murder people, you lovely humans.